And there it is again, Dream Fast by Mal V off his latest release, Textures. And no, I am not Casey Kasem. This is Falco. And I'm you are here with me and my boy Chuck Finley on another episode, episode four of Redacted Gentlemen. And real quick, and I'm gonna hand it off to Chuck. You know, we've been thinking. We get a lot more feedback from y'all on um, lighter topics and funnier topics. So basically, how, how can we take our yearn and ability and dare I say, some level of talent of digging in and analyzing and come to, to um, certain conclusions, what we call assessments in the intelligence community. How can we use that to cover topics that are entertaining and non-consequential for example, our topic today, and Chuck, take it away. All right. So our topic today, yeah. Um, so we've been kind of hashing this over, and honestly, I didn't think this was going to be as controversial as I, I, I found out. But <clears throat> is a hot dog a sandwich? And this is a topic that's brought to us, by the way, from, on, from an Instagram a uh, follower of mine, which uh, her name is Claudia Santana de Leon, um, Claude.DeLeon on Instagram, follow her. And this was really from her. And uh, much like, like her uh, being passionate about this topic, Chuck and I have found that this may end our friendship. I don't know where this is going. Um, you know, even friends for, I mean, a solid, it's probably a solid decade now. Um, and I, I am, I don't know if I've ever presidential elect. What presidential election? I am so emotionally charged on this topic. I don't even know where to begin. Um, I haven't slept for over a week preparing for it. Chuck, how are you feeling, buddy? Well, uh, so I mean, man, I got to tell you, I, I, I am fully prepared to defend my uh, my point on this. I, I've done the research, and I got to tell you, I think all the research out there is wrong. Uh, I think like they, most research, <laughs> they fell into they fell into some, some serious biases. Episode and, two, uh, episode two, episode two. Yeah, go back to episode two if you don't understand biases and why you can't make a good decision. Listen to that. But uh, uh, according to my research, man, I you know what I got to tell you, they're they're all wrong. And so, I'm going to tell you why you're wrong when we get down to it. So speaking for, of you, speaking of you being wrong, Chuck. Um, sorry, that's all I wanted to say. I had no transition. Go ahead. <laughs> the whiskey review the whiskey Ooh, review the one so, thing we uh, can agree on the one thing we can always agree on is whiskey and whiskey is uh, as always uh aqua vita right water mm, of life amen. Uh, but before that we're going to bring you this moment of peace and solitude brought to you by guinness oh, and this is Ooh, this is as we were discussing sizzle. earlier today when we were getting ready to uh to prepare for this this is honestly, this is one of the most beautiful things in, in the nature of alcohol. And what is that? Itself. And that is the, so the oh. nitrogen cascade. Look, I mean, look at that. Look at that yeah. beautiful, you can, beautiful you, cascade there. You can listen is, to it. You can't see it listeners, but you can listen to it. You can't hear it, but you can feel it. You can be one with it. It's that beautiful cascade that Chuck's talking about. It's just beautiful a cascade out of a Guinness. And oh. honestly, now I you obviously brew some wonderful, beautiful beer. Don't pay and attention. There was actually a time, I remember there was a time we mocked Guinness for using, I believe, fish scales uh, in their beer. Oh, you're talking about Isinglass. Yeah, since then. Oh. Yeah, so basically, the Isinglass is a um, clarifier, it clarifies beer. It's an old, weird, old school thing where they would take um, basically bladders from fish, not urine bladder, but the bladder that allows them to float. Air and, bladder. Yeah, air bladder. And um, they would, there, there are certain chemicals in there that are used to clarify beer and they're very good. Now, most modern brewers to include all, uh, uh, to include Lincoln's Beard Brewing Company, uh, uh, my spot, we use something called BioFine Clear, which is a vegetable-based vegan, clarifier and it's also fantastic so <clears throat> so key point now now uh, one thing i just do want to you know as i was talking about chuck being being the enemy um now uh, i, I want to further 
solidify that enemy status with the fact that I hit him up earlier and I was like, dude, for our quote unquote whisker review, let's do a Guinness review. And his response was like, no, man, it's a whisker review, which is valid. And now I'm sitting here. I ran out of my good American whiskey and I'm drinking. Uh, actually, this isn't. This is Glenfiddich 12. I'm drinking Glenfiddich 12, which is Fivic. It's not Fiddich. It is yeah. Fivic. It's a double D. That's what she said. And <laughs> so Glenfiddich 12. And um, he's drinking a damn Guinness. So I just want to let you know, this, this is what you expect from people that think hot dog, I don't know, is or is not a sandwich. If I could be totally honest here, I have not even formed a, con a conclusion as to whether an opinion as to whether it is or is not a sandwich. I'm just here to disagree with Chuck. So <laughs> without further ado, Chuck, what do we got, brother? Well, no, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. What no, we haven't gotten to the whiskey yet. So yeah. part of the reason I got the Guinness, the whiskey I have tonight is the John Barr Reserve Ooh. Blended Scotch. And he's and here. So I picked this up, honestly, because it was $2 cheaper than the famous grouse, which, as we know, is my go-to daily drinker, if we will. Famous grouse uh, is, I'm going to make a bold statement here. It's the most under, it's the most underrated scotch whiskey that certainly I've ever been involved with. I'm going I'm to say it might be the most underrated spirit that I've ever personally you know, encounter. Quite possibly, because as we've discussed before, so so Famous Grouse, of course, is the most popular scotch in Scotland by, by volume. Uh, and they, <laughs> the blended, right? It is a blended. It's not, it's not a single malt. Um, but as a blended, honestly, they get 70% of that blend from Macallan. Mm. It's a young Macallan, but it still has all the same notes that Macallan has in its later expressions. So um, very good. So this John Barr I picked up, I did some research on it and back to the Guinness, it was at one time in history owned by the same company that owns Guinness. Nice. Yeah. Well, well, hold on. Is the, the company that owns Guinness now? I think that's Diageo, isn't it? Right, so Diageo, yes. Um, yeah, okay. They did in fact own them at one point. What happened was the way that John Barr even came about was the company DCL, um, which owns of course, the famous Johnny Walker brands. And everything else in the entire world. <laughs> Amazon does know. Especially over there, right? Uh, so DCL, Distillers Company Limited, um, they basically got called up for having a monopoly on the, the Scotch trade uh, import-export out of Scotland. And of course, Scotland takes its Scotch extremely seriously. So they were basically ordered, hey, in the UK, you've got to remove your Johnny Walker red label. Whoa. So they said, okay, we'll keep it export, but we're moving it in the UK. Uh, and they came up with this John Barr brand. Uh, reportedly back in the, this is back in the 80s, horrible. Absolutely horrible. Um, well, okay, not horrible. It tasted like Johnny Walker Red, which to us Scots drinkers horrible. is a bit horrible. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, through some history, got bought and sold. The brand line got bought and sold. Guinness was a owner for a very long time. But in 2017, a third-generation blender uh, got some backing and bought this label out. And this is actually a new addition to what you can actually get here in the States. And it is, honestly, I, I, I've, been, I've been through this entire bottle in, in about five days. That's super normal. This is not a concern. For those not watching at home, he held up a very small bottle. Very I mean, small. It has uh, a very small handle on it, uh, which he was holding. Uh, yeah. So this scotch is a very interesting blend of Highland and Speyside, both in my top top levels of, of, of favorite scotches. Same, same. Um, and it it has up to 15-year scotches in it, which, again, 15-year in either the Highland or Speyside is right in my fucking wheelhouse. Yeah. That is, if I'm going single malt... That is it. And I got to tell you, man, this is really good. It's a fucking good. Again, it got it $2 cheaper than the grouse. And the so grouse I is. We're going with this. Uh, this may be a life changing moment, but 
to be honest it's, with you, yeah. I mean, I have my guard and my shield up because I'm ready to defend my stance, which I will establish once you tell me your stance. But that being said, to me, to be honest, you're whittling it away a little bit with, with this fantastic discussion of an incredibly cheap scotch whiskey. Because by the way, listen, Chuck and I, and, and, and Chuck, I mean, you haven't hit four zero yet, right? You're very close. Yeah, we're almost yeah. there. Well, but let's just call it a 40-year-old, two 40-year-old gentlemen. And here's a little bit of advice to you, all my young liquor drinkers. And by the way, I'm not talking about clear liquors. Because clear liquors, clear. Oh, clear liquors, Chuck. Clear alcohol is for rich women on diets. And who said that? Oh, <laughs> so speaking of, speaking of Ron Swanson and other great whiskey providers, I just want to give a quick shout out to my boy, Eric. I'm not going to use his last name because he is in our, or in my former, your current community. But um, he, he does listen to the podcast and he did say, and he has provided me with and drank with me i don't know I'm, all of my english doesn't make sense but he buys whiskey he travels around the country drinks it with us he said he's going to throw some whiskey at us and um we're gonna have to review it um in his name in the name of our whiskey lord eric so big shout out but you know what people didn't come here to listen to us yap about whiskeys oh no hold on wait wait let me let me yap one more second the, the bit of advice for those that are that are growing up, that are drinking proper liquors, you can't buy expensive shit only. You got to have a drinker because when your boys or your girls come over, by the way, because women drink whiskey and they love it. Just fantastic. I'm so glad that all this bullshit, you know, patriarchal only men drink whiskey thing is dead. For those men and women out there, you can't buy a $70 bottle of whiskey and invite your buddy over and polish it off. Cause you're going to wake up with not, you're not only going to wake up with a hangover, but you're going to be pissed that all you remember is your first two, one or two drinks of that whiskey. You got to have a grouse or you got to have a John bar sitting there or uh, for my American, for my bourbon drinkers, you know, you might want uh, you might want a little bit of knob Creek. You might, you probably honestly, you probably want maybe even a little Jack Daniels, have a little Jack and Coke, or maybe a little Jameson, little Jameson. But you gotta have something that's shitty to polish off your drunk, so you're not you're not yep. knocking out your seventy dollar bottle of whiskey. Yep. That, that's a rookie Which move. That's why we established that rule. We did. Exactly. We established that rule. Two drinks. We did not touch the good stuff. That's right. Except for that one time with the Night's nice Watch Oban, which we mentioned last episode. <laughs> that's which not important. That fucking bottle. <laughs> But talk to me, Chuck. Where are we starting off? You know, you're the quarterback right, so of this. You're the two on this. Dog, is a hot dog a sandwich? This is where we're at. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, man. So many so many emotions mixed up in this. And, and that's hard because we promised our listeners that we would always approach things from an Intel perspective, which is hard facts. Yes. And statistics and provable things. So... It's hard to separate those emotions, but that's what we as Intel do, right? I mean, yep. you know, when we're, we're hunting the bad guys, we we absolutely, we have a lot of emotions tied up in that, you know? Maybe, uh, maybe fucking Soleimani, you know, tried to kill me with a fucking missile to my uh, my chew one time there. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, yeah, Soleimani did blow up my house. That, 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 that is a fact. That I was not in it, but uh, he did blow up my house. But that, that's fine because I'm not even gonna get emotional about Soleimani because I'm focused. It, I'm focused. It, that's not a word. Let's try that again. I'm focused on ground meat surrounded by casings. That is my focus today. And you know what's on the outside of that casing? A delicious bread bun. Sometimes. So where are we starting? Where are we starting? Let's 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 start with the hot dog. Tell me where this hot dog, okay. this encased meat dick. Okay. From. All right. Listen, when we think of sausages, we think of one country and one country alone. Let's be honest. Waffle House isn't a country, America. We think of Germany. Vienna, and, so Austria. Where are you at? Well, hold on now. We're not even to Austria yet, right? We're still in Germany. So we're going to talk to you about the 13th century. You ever heard of the 1200s? This is... Three, almost 300 years before 
the notorious Christopher Columbus came over here and fucked everything up and quote unquote discovered America after, you know, I don't know, the natives were already living here and the Vikings discovered it multiple times and were bored by it because there was no one here to kill. This there were no the, monsters, okay? They said, they came yeah. and they said, where the fuck are the monsters? Yeah. Native Americans are like, hey, we, we, we kind of got a bit of paradise here. We just... Plenty yeah. of food. Just we leave just us alone. Food. And, well, the Vikings are like, there's there's no monsters? Well, fuck. Let's go back home. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What are we going to kill these guys for? Let's go kill some, like, you know, monks in fucking England or whatever. So, anyway, so this is the 13th century there's a sausage that starts in the in the city of frankfurt you may you may have heard of it it's called the frankfurter and the frankfurter it's so it's a parboiled which is a lightly boiled partially cooked and then they hit it with a little bit of a low temp smoke it's an all pork sausage it's a cased in sheep's intestine it's called the frankfurter virchen which like all beautiful german words it's so simple frankfurter just means it's it's from Frankfurt and Virchen just means Virchen just means small sausage. So it's a small sausage from Frankfurt. So this was served. This was, was locally famous uh, because it was served during Imperial cor coronations, beginning with Maximilian II, who was a Roman emperor, by the way, in 1564. So 1564. Now it does this include the bun. That's my, that's well, hold my on, hold on. Are we talking, oh, talking the, starts here. In the great words of Tom Cruise and Fugan Men, talking to Colonel Jessup, oh, we'll get to the airmen. Oh, we'll get to the bun. So 13th century is actually where the Frankfurter Virgin, it was made famous because it was served during the coronations uh, starting in 1564, but this is 1200 type shit. This is your 1200. Bro. We're way back when. So a key point about the Frankfurter Virgin, which was not served on bread, right? It, it, was a, it had a very similar appearance to an American hot dog. Right, it was a bit longer. That's what she said, um, but it was pink, which is a key point. Right, I am going to go out on a limb, and since you and I are the authority within this two-person podcast, I'm going to ask for your concurrence on this topic at least. Hot dogs have to be pink. If it's not pink, it's a sausage. So I'm, I'm going to give you the lightning version, and and anyone listening can go back and rewind as to why hot dogs are pink. Okay, so hot dogs have blood in them. That's my, well, I'm going to conjecture here and say the original hot dogs were low temperature smoked. That's probably where they got their pink flavor from. But modern hot dogs, where we know about microbiology, they're treated with sodium nitrate. So we'll get to that. So myoglobin, which is just like hemoglobin, it's a chemical in our blood and in pork blood and beef blood that carries oxygen. So the heart of myoglobin is a chemical called heme, right? It's called heme. So heme in its core has iron. And when that iron, just like iron metal is exposed to oxygen, it, it, it exhibits red color, right? Just like if you cut yourself and it, it's red because it's exposed to oxygen. Now, when you buy beef at the butcher and it turns gray, that's because that oxygen has gone away. Now, that same heme is in those hot dogs, those modern hot dogs. They're treated with sodium nitrite, which is a chemical that's just used to kill botulinum toxin, right? So, so it's all safe for us, right? It's curing, as we call it, um, in that sense. So nitrite exhibits oxygen type. So, um, and he just, Johan just called them Frankfurters at first, right? They weren't traditional because he actually added beef to the mixture, uh, which is kind of an Austrian thing. So, and, you know, key point nowadays in Germany, they're just called, or sorry, nowadays in Germany and in Austria and the rest of the world, th this is called a Wiener version, which is essentially just means a small sausage from Vienna, right? Or Vienna sausages. This is important because these beef pork versions of this sausage was really what was ultimately brought to America. So that's really kind of why um, we need to talk about it. But you know what? No one's arguing that the meat was invented in Germany. That's a fact. So that, but that brings us, Chuck, that brings us to a crossroad, right? What is a hot dog? How do we define so that? That was my next question. That was my next question. Well, I we gotcha. Have, we have Vienna sausages. How do we get the hot dog? Let me bring you to America. 
All right. So first, I'm going to let's talk about where the fuck did the term hot dog come from? So there was some use, some documented use of the term dog in Germany and, and Austria. A little bit. There's some sources. It's hard to corroborate. I didn't corroborate any of them. But that dog meat, this is terrible, I know. But dog meat kind of was maybe common in the late 1800s and early. It was not uncommon to eat dog meat. There was some mentions, not really corroborated, of dog used in sausage, which would kind of make sense if you think about it. Now, that being said, the first documented mention of the term hot dog was on September 14th, 1884, right? And it was in the Evansville, which is in, in, in Indiana. I tried to pull it up, but I could not find it in the archive. Evansville Daily Courier, God bless America, right? They mentioned a Verstmann, basically an individual, a German, which Evansville, Indiana had tons of Germans, still do, still does rather. They mentioned a, uh, an individual selling quote unquote hot dogs, right? So that every account that I found of the term hot dog, right? With or without a bun, the term hot dog is American. I'm willing to go on record now and say the hot dog in and of itself, the smaller version of that Vienna Wiener, Wiener Wirtchen that is brought to America. That's an American invention, but hold on. Is it a hot dog if it doesn't have a bun? Good question. It's a good question. Is it a hot dog without, without the bun, which is, we know across the US and every ballpark in fucking America. Is the hot dog with a bun. So, you, I mean, obviously you've done some research here. I have. What, what year are we talking? What year are we talking? What, so, what did you say for the first hot dog? Well, hold on. So the first the first mention of hot dogs was in 1884, but we're going to bounce around a little bit here. We're not going to go too far back. We're still in the same region. Um, this is post-Civil post War, right? This is pre-World War I. Um, there's an individual, which I'm going to go on the record. I'm going to Tarantino this. I'm going to tell you my conclusion. But I do not believe a hot dog is a hot dog without a bun. I think a hot dog is an American term, but I think it, it fuck. I'm going to say that it's in, 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 since 1880, if you say hot dog, that assumes a bun. Even though, that I, even though I can walk into Publix right now and buy a pack of hot dogs, they don't come with bun. I think it, it's, in, it, it's, it's a it's the intent of the meat is to place it in a bun. Exactly. Exactly. It, it's going to happen. There may be, you know, I mean, obviously you can put lettuce around it or whatever. Or relish but or whatever. That, if, unless I'm having sausage and cabbage or some other sausage dish, when I buy a hot dog, meaning the meat that is more slender than the sausage, it is definitely pink. I'm putting that in a bun. You got to put in a bun. You got to put in a bun. So let's talk yep. about buns. So here comes Anton Ludwig Fuchtwaga. Now I probably Fuchtwanga. I'm probably fucked that name up, but it doesn't matter, right? I tried. So depending, his, his name is Ludwig. That's I mean yeah. that's basically Anton Ludwig, right? So another German. Yeah, very German. Depending on what version you accept, somewhere between eighteen and nineteen oh eighteen eighty and nineteen oh four, right? So relatively small, you know, historically speaking, a relatively small, uh, um, um, you know, bracketed time frame there. Anton Ludwig, right? He was on, he, he was hanging out. He's on, he's out there. He's selling, he's in, I think he was in St. Louis, right? He's in St. Louis, maybe, right? And he's got a little fucking cart. He's slinging sausages. He's giving fucking people sausages and he's giving them a set of white gloves, because these things are piping hot, bro, right? You can't just grab a fucking hot ass. Are these these cotton dog. gloves? He's giving out cotton gloves? I, I don't know. I, there's no, I didn't, I'm going to assume cotton. It's a not, I mean, there's no polyester around that time, right? So, but here's the problem. As you can imagine, Anton Ludwig, a better, you know, Wiener maker than he was a fucking businessman, if you don't mind me saying. Obviously, unless he sells those things for $10 a piece. He said, he's oh, out He's out the door. He said, hey, Chuck, man, come on. Bring those gloves back if you don't mind. Guess what? Chuck didn't bring the fucking gloves back. So in some cases, the word was that his wife told him, which is generally the case, 
because you know our wives are always right. Uh, um, they told them, told him, she's she's like, hey, listen, the gloves aren't working out. Well, guess what? His brother-in-law, I'm just going to assume it's his wife's brother, is a baker. So he says, hey, man, hook me up. Make me some kind of bread. His brother-in-law, the baker, hooks him up with this big, long roll, and the rest is history. Oh, but wait. But wait, Chuck. The hot dog historians over at the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council, yes, it exists. They Which have is a, a, it's amazing that this thing actually exists. There's exactly. a council. Yeah, with rules on hot that's dogs. right. So they got a little bit of a different story, right? They said a gentleman named Charles Feltman. Okay, he was German too. Calm down. He was a butcher in 1867-ish, right? And they say that out on Coney Island in New York, he was already serving fucking sausages, uh, the, these hot dogs, if you will, and then the with milk rolls, and he was pushing a cart on Coney Island, right? And he called them Coney Island Red Hots. His Coney Island Red Hots were served with a bun. This is in 1867. This is from, again, the National Hot Dog and a Sausage Council, a.k.a. the NHDSC. So, um, which another key point about Charles Feltman. So he started in 1867, pushing a card. He crushed it. 1871, he started to build what is ultimately a fucking restaurant complex. He builds this massive, with a, with a fucking beer garden and everything, this huge complex on Coney Island. By the 1920s, he's, he's, he's serving five and a quarter million people a year out of this thing. But he got a little greedy. And a gentleman by the name, I don't know, you may have heard of him. He was one of his roll slicers, Nathan Handworker. He quit. Didn't like him. And he opened up, I don't know, you may have heard of this, Nathan's Hot Dogs. And he undersold Feltman. Five cents, oh. five cents instead of 10 per hot dog on a bun, and he fucking crushed them. I'm just going to so, Hold on. He, Let's back this up. Let's back this up. Yeah. Nathan's Hot Dogs was the Michael Scott Paper Company. You're goddamn oh, right the they are. Dogs. You're goddamn right they are. And I didn't, I did no, intentionally did no research on Nathan Handwerker because not, because I didn't want to find anything bad about him. I'm going to assume. He's an American gentleman, first generation American gentleman. And, and he just undersold this guy. And, you know, God bless America again. God bless America. So here's to Nathan Handworker. Cheers. Cheers. Nathan Handworker. Holy power, shit. Power to the people. So that's all I got, brother. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to come to a couple conclusions here, pre-conclusions. One, I'm going to say the hot dog in and of itself is American, but it needs a bun. And I'm going to say that bun was either invented by Anton Ludwig Fuchtwanger in the 18 in 1880 or Charles Feltman uh, in 1867. Either way, that's an American invention on that bun. Now, th there's many many accounts that the Germans, yeah, we eat this with bread. We need it with bread. This, but it wasn't in, it, it wasn't integral, integral. Let's try that. It wasn't integral to the hot dog experience. So, hot dogs are American. Thank you very much. So, hot dogs, American. I'm going to agree there. Absolutely. Um, definitely German influence, but Hey, sure. You know, my ancestors helped found uh, Germantown, Pennsylvania. So I'm good with that. I'm good Amen. with that. Meet the American. But aside from that, what we have here, and this is what we're going to look at is a hot dog, a sandwich. That's our question. We have, and let's see if we can agree on this point. We have, a meat. Yeah. Have a meat that is inserted. That's what she said. Into a bread roll. Mm. And then usually applied condiments. Generally speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally. I don't know any psychopaths that just eat anyone over the age of 10 that just eat the dog with the, with the, the bread. Right, right. Right. You Except for Ross. Rafi maybe out of uh fucking uh the league, his pocket dog. <laughs> well, he's a psychopath. <laughs> he's a, he is a legitimate psychopath. Okay, so now let, let's back up here. So you had the the invention of the the Frankfurter to the Vienna dog. We're talking fifteen hundreds. So yeah. now we're talking about sandwiches. Let me lay some timelines on you. 1762, 
we have the Earl of Sandwich. And of Holy course, it's actually, this is a story that uh, obviously we have a freaking chain of restaurants called the Earl of Sandwich. And this is a well-known story, actually goes back. So <clears throat> John Montague, he is the fourth Earl of Sandwich, which is, of course, basically for for us Americans, it's basically like a county, right? A county in England that's ruled by an Earl. So the Earl of Sandwich. So he, he's the Lord, he's the mayor of that county, but I mean, he's with the absolute mayor, power. Yeah, he's not electable, right? He's for life. Yeah, he's just unless rich. He off, unless he pisses off the king, he's the Earl of Sandwich. It's an oligarch. Uh, he's rich. He's rich as fuck. He owns this land. Where's the sandwich? He's got a lot going on. Now, being rich, and of course, now we're talking 1762. So we're basically talking 700 years of this sort of fiefdom that we yeah. have set up. He's a degenerate gambler. Where are we? 1762 in Earl of Sandwich, England. So England, yes. He's a gambler. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. Degenerate gambler. <laughs> oh, the no. best kind. The best and kind of gamblers. I mean, he invented the sandwich because on a 24-hour gambling spree. <laughs> 24 hour. Now, I I I'm known to play some poker from time to time. <clears throat> Some of you mm -hmm. may know me as the Maverick. But... Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I've never been in a game that's gone more than eight hours. This is 24 hours down the line. 24 hours. And he's, of course, hungry. So he tells his personal chef, because this is 1762 and he's an Earl. Damn right. Says, Prepare my food in a manner which it will not interfere with my game. <laughs> so what is the what what does the chef bring to it? He brings him a slice of beef mm. with some lettuce sandwiched and this is going to be key here. Sandwiched between two slices of toast. Okay. Okay. He has this served to his guests who are sounds all delicious. delicious. It sounds delicious, right? And uh, so he has this served to his guests and eventually over time, this actually becomes a thing in an English society is to have what is now called sandwiches. So Chuck, I have one quick question. Did that guy get killed? Because I got to be honest, I feel like if you just show up with a fucking... Like, this is a, a food item that has never existed. That's like, Chuck, you're having a whiskey. I'm over at your house. We're having a good time. And I'm in the kitchen. I'm like, dude, you want something to eat? And you're like, just bring me anything. And I bring you, like, a fucking tortilla with, um, like, gelatinized coffee on it. Like, it's something that isn't even a thing. Like, <laughs> like I, I can't think that in that situation, you're going to be like, oh, bro, this, you know, this gelatinized coffee. I wasn't expecting, but the tortilla really brings it home. This needs to be on Wikipedia. Like th this is this guy changed the fucking world, bro. So, as to whether or not he changed the world, and there is some debate about that among the sandwich historians, as, we, as they call themselves. Um, so there is debate because he he traveled. Uh, so he traveled, the Earl of Sandwich traveled a lot. And in his travels to Greece and the Middle East, he came across the pita. Yeah. And of course, as we both know, pitas stuffed with delicious food, meats, and various things to be able to eat, he found that convenient. So there is some suggestion that he brought this concept back with him. Now, was he shot? No, he wasn't shot. This man was lauded into an, a, another pantheon of the English nobility because of this invention. People oh, no, wait, wait. Is this the Earl of Sandwich or is this the fucking cook, the chef that came up with it? No, no. This And this is the real tragedy of this situation. Oh, don't tell the, me what the, you're going to tell me. The chef who came up with this is lost to history. Never to be remembered again. 
This is, I, I feel like, you know what I want to do right now? You know, it's 10.56 on, well, it could be 11.50, I don't know, on a Sunday, depending, right? It's 10.56 on a Sunday. I want to drop everything. I don't want to bathe. I don't want to pack. I just want to get my keys, get my wallet, get my fucking mask. And I want to go do this man right. I want to carry on his legacy. I, I just, I feel like this, anyone listening to this, I feel like we need to start a weird cult to elevate the standing that was the chef that invented the fucking sandwich, bro. Invented it. This guy, he may have heard his, his Earl talk about what he had and, and try to, to, to bring that back. But literally, we don't have pitas in England in 1762. But what we do have is toast. Toast very common. With stuff on top of it. Toast includes... With, stuff, with, yeah. with things to eat as a single piece. This man, and to use the colloquial use of sandwich, sandwiched something between the starches. But Two here's pieces of toast, sandwiched some beef, and some lettuce between the starches. But here's so, my challenge. Hold on, wait. And I'm going to trigger you a little bit here, I think. We are talking about two pieces of bread sandwich, and as if that's the sandwich, because it's the Earl of Sandwich. But we brushed past, namely you brushed past, a very key point, which was that the Earl of Sandwich encountered these two pieces of bread, or at least a, a, a fucking pita, right? Or a piece of naan or whatever, you know, whatever they were using in the current Southwest Asia and Northern Africa at the time. The point is there was bread and there was meat filling or some kind of filling within it. So if we can, if we are going to end this call, if we're going to end this recording, this podcast with a statement that you don't need to have two separate slices of bread to make a sandwich. And I feel like that's where you're going. If, if, if we're going to call a hot dog a sandwich, then the Earl of Sandwich didn't invent the sandwich. It was invented fucking millennial, two millennia ago. I mean, you understand where I'm going with this? Oh, no. I see where you're going. I anticipated where you're going. Therefore, <laughs> I came up with a counter argument to where you are going. And just you wait till I shut down the argument you just made. But we're not there yet. Hold on. We're not there. We'll we get to the airmen. <laughs> we have not yet gotten to that point. So <clears throat> here's what we're going to do. We're going to work since you've, you've uh, segued us into what will be the end of this conversation. We'll speed this up a little bit. So we have the sandwich. We have we have what is known as the sandwich, which we will agree at the time. The Earl of Sandwich was serving his guests the piece of toast. Yep. With beef. With lettuce and another piece of toast. Critical second piece of toast, because that's the only way you could eat, eat it with one hand and one it not be messy. Exactly. So just like the hot dog had to have that special bun so you could grab it with a hand. You had to have it. Gotta have that. Second crucial. Piece of toast. Very crucial. All right. So we're going to flash forward about 100 years. Holy Lord. So First time we actually see sandwich introduced into American literature. Now, the hot dog, as we know it, is American. The well, sandwich. What, what year are we in now? I'm sorry, Chuck. So, so now we, we're in 1824, and we have the first recipe recorded for a sandwich, and it is oyster lobes. Oh, that sounds great. I'm sorry. <laughs> And actually, it's, it, this sounds like a sandwich version of a po' boy. And notice I just said a sandwich version of a oh po' boy. Oh, my God. I am I'm not a... admitting that a po' boy is a sandwich. If and I just, be honest, you wait, just you wait. I, I, I'm getting a little nauseous. I don't know if it's the fact that I ate one of those Paiku fucking hot chips yesterday, or if it's the fact that you're disgusting me with even your, your preface to the conclusion that I know you're going to come to, just that makes me nauseous, but continue. Because you know you're going to lose, and therefore oh. the nausea is this sense of impending doom. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. 
So just stick with me here. So we're 1824 to make oyster loaves. <clears throat> Take round loaves. Cut off the top. Scrape out the crumbs. Then out the oysters into a stew pan with the crumbs. Fill your loaves and a little bit of cr crust carefully on again. And then put in the oven to crisp. So again, we have a starch. We have a filling of some sort of meat. And we have something else on top of it. Now, to get back to sandwich. Oh, no, no, no. You didn't have something on top of that. You said carve out the crumbs. The crumbs get combined with the filling. That's part of the filling. Oh, it is part of the filling. It is part of the it is part of the the gravy, if you will, that we'll yeah. go into. So, and then you have the starch on top. So mm -hmm. you have starch, true, true. you have filling, you have starch. Wait, now, wait, wait, wait. What you so you put the carved out on the top after you put the filling in that oil? Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Continue. I'm rude. You're wrong, no, but I'm no, rude. So, so we're 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 getting into that, but uh back to it. So what I found interesting, what you said is the beef for the hot dog wasn't added until it came to America. Yep. No, 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 no. It was in Germany, but it was certainly oh, later. It was, it was, it was, it was only about 60 years before it was um, brought to America, which is historically very quickly. So if we, we flash forward a few years into 1866, we have the classical American sandwich, as we call it, which uses thinly sliced lean ham, as they call it, which is to be used substituted for beef, which in, go back to sandwich, it is beef. In America, they switched to ham, which as it became known. And I'm not really quite sure I understand this. They talk about how supper was being served later and later, so therefore sandwiches, which we know now as a lunchtime fare, you have a sandwich at lunch. The afternoon meal, as they, they called it, Dinner. was being later and later. And so the sandwich, which was made from leftovers from the meats from lunch, ah. became a thing. And that oh. I, I thought was very interesting. Yeah. So Dinner time. It was a light fare to be served with leftovers from your 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 lunch. That is very that is fucking genius. I feel it did. That right there is life changing. I'm just gonna start making sandwiches with whatever is left over from my lunch. Okay. So in England, so you got a lot. I mean, cows were a thing. Beef cattle, dairy cattle, England, Scotland, that whole area. It, that's always it. Just it just works for them. Very green. There's a lot of hum It's very humid out there. The temperatures are right. There's a lot of good grass growing. You get great dairy. We still get it now with the whole millennial push. To the, the, what's that butter brand? That that fantastic butter brand. That Kerrygold. Kerrygold, yes, Kerrygold. Um, you know, which is an Irish brand. So it's just there's a there's a big push to like you know to to, to British dairy, frankly. You know, and and the same that's been outside of America. History is is measured in like millennia. It's not measured in decades. You know, so or it's sorry, it's measured in centuries outside of America not in decades. So cows and beef and great dairy has been around for a while, but now we're in America, we're making sandwiches with ham and you, you should probably cut right. everything so we're make, out. We're, we're making these sandwiches. We've got ham going in and then we start adding other things into it, right? Uh, so now we're talking at the, the end of the 1800s, we end up with the BLT, right? Which is a very famous oh. sandwich. And here, here is where I can start calling it American, right? We have the BLT. Yeah, yeah. The BLT and is American. Come on. And this is the first time you are prescribing exactly what must go into it. Bacon, lettuce, and tomato. Okay. You have to have those things. Otherwise, you can't have BLT. Damn right. So, but again, we have a sandwich. And so this is going to be, this is going to be my main argument here. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Hot dog, we both agree, will have meat. We both agree it has a starch that is to either side of it. It's got to be bread. It's got to be a bread. Got to be bread, but it is a starch. So yeah. we have this V shape, right? Yeah. And, and that is where we're going to differ. And so to me, 
we have, and this was introduced in 2016 because someone introduced the question, is a hot dog a sandwich online? And it blew up. We actually had a mild discussion earlier this week on, uh, I sent you the, the graph as to uh, different types of sandwiches. Yes. Right? And it's, by the way, wonderful graph. Wonderful yeah, Chuck, graph. Chuck, I want to post that graph. Shoot me that graph. I want to post that graph on our Instagram. I'm going to post it on our Twitter too. And it, it's, I think it's important. I think it's important. Right. And I think that is key to solving this riddle, right? How do we come down to exactly what is a sandwich? A bread? Agreed. Separated. Agre oh, Separated. hold on. Wait. Separated by a meat filling with condiments and unnecessary. Or unnecessary. Continue. With a starch on the bottom or a bread on the bottom. And this I agree, is I agree with bread on the crucial. bottom. This is crucial. <clears throat> and the reason that I'm going to get to on this is because this falls into what we will call the cube rule. And this is the definitive guide for whether or not something, anything is a sandwich. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So, well, all right. So there's my answer. I can't, so get, I'm overwhelmed. Get, you, you respond. You respond. And then I will shut you down and destroy you. You know what, Chuck? You're going to be shocked right now. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to break down the internet. I'm, what is it called? I'm gonna I'm gonna turn off crush the internet. God, I've never been more 40 in my life. Break the internet. I'm gonna so break, break the internet. As as uh well, I, I think Wreck It Ralph did it first. They tried to prescribe it to some woman called Kardashian, but who, who yes. knows what that yes. was about. I think Wreck uh Wreck It Ralph, I think is great movie. Since we both have kids, Wreck It Ralph was the answer. Oh, it's a fantastic movie. But you know what? I'm gonna break the internet at least for the three to five people that I love. And by the way, if you're listening to this, I like you better than anyone li not listening to this. Chuck, I have heard your argument. And you know, I've okay. literally- no, heard the whole argument. I've you've literally- heard, You've yeah. heard a portion of the argument. No, but I'm so sorry. I don't even want to do this because I feel like it's going to crush our listeners. I, I have had an epiphany tonight. And that is that it can only be a sandwich- if it's under the guidelines of the chef in the town sandwich. And that chef clearly, because here's the, here's the problem. Here, here is what brings down the house. That chef could have served a piece of toast, i.e. an open roll, Chuck, a sliced roll, a split roll. He, you know, he could have served that, toast which is just an open roll with the fillings but the fact that he put that second separate independent piece of starch bread on top of that is what made it a sandwich oh by the way because it's the earl of sandwich the chef of the earl of sandwich sandwich a hot dog is not a sandwich chuck i'm so sorry it's not and and i'm with you and thank you for coming around to my way of seeing things because and, and this is going to solve it for, for, wait, for all of our listeners who are right now gnashing their teeth, punching their fucking steering wheels, hating life because we just said that a hot dog is not a sandwich. Calm We're down. For that, calm down. Hold on. It's not a sandwich. And, and I, will, I, will, I will solve that dilemma. John, is it a pop? Is it a soda? Or is it a Coke? You tell me. It's a soda. Oh, it's a soda. Really? Is it a soda always? It's a soda. Is it a soda always? Unless you live in one third of the country, in which case it's a pop. Or maybe you live in the southern belt of the U.S. It's in definitely which case not a Coke. Coke. Now, here's the problem with that. It's all in the vernacular, right? A hot dog cannot be a sandwich for the reasons you just stated. A sandwich was invented in the Earl of Sandwich's house by a Damn chef right. who will go down in history as being unnamed but a god among men. And this the chef man. created a sandwich which was a bread with a meat 
and a vegetable and a piece of bread that is separated from the other piece of bread. And this brings us back to the cube rule of food. And here's where we're going to finish it out. So according to the cube rule of food, there are six types of one hand edible foods. We have the toast, which is a piece of bread on the bottom. We have the sandwich, which as we've discussed is a piece of bread separated by something and another piece of bread. We have a taco, which is surrounded on three sides by bread. We have the sushi surrounded encompassed on four sides by the piece of bread. We have the soup, salad, or bread bowl, which is surrounded on five sides. So now you have an underside to it. And we have the calzone, which is covered on all six sides. Beautiful dish. Oh, a wonderful. Chuck. And if anyone can make a good calzone and wants to tell me it's a sandwich, I'll eat it regardless. Tell you what's wonderful. And then I'll tell you it's a fucking calzone on a sandwich. Chuck. And I want I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about one thing. May I close this out, Chuck? May I close this out? Yes, Captain Falco, you may close this out. So, Chuck, you want to know why a hot dog is not a sandwich? Because a hot dog is meat placed in bread. So it's no better than, frankly, me having a fettuccine Alfredo and just taking that pasta and putting it on my bread. It's no better than a pizza, which is just a filling on bread. And you know what? A pizza is not a sandwich, and we can all agree on that. And we can all agree that Redacted Gentleman is coming to a conclusion here on episode four. Chuck, walk us out. Right. So we have told you, we have come to the conclusion, logical, thought-out conclusion, that a hot dog is not, is a, sandwich. not a sandwich. Thank you and so much. You Cheers. Disagree. You're ignorant. <laughs> and <laughs> let me, talk to me about ignorance. Ignorance is a slow death. Thank you guys for listening. Peace. Two factors, Chuck. Covering that starch. It's not a starch. It's a bread because you can't make a fucking potato sandwich. I'm sorry. Right? That covering those two pieces of bread and the filling. Th those two things are what's going to define a sandwich. So I'm sick and tired. I'm sorry. As I feel like we're on the debate stage now, Chuck, as your competitor, I want you to state, I want you to tell me what your policies are on covering and filling. Go. <clears throat> if we're defining a sandwich, and this is, this is going to be crucial to my argument. If we are defining a sandwich, a sandwich must have, and this is a must, it must have 